From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. All right, welcome back to the OCFA Pass Along Podcast. We're going to be changing things up a little bit uh, this week in light of some recent events. We told you at our last podcast we would be releasing uh, the next lessons learned session on the downed aircraft uh, regarding the 405 incident, and we're going to push that out to next week. So be sure to check that out. Stay tuned for that. It's, uh, pretty interesting uh, and relevant topics there regarding the uh, aircraft emergencies. In the meantime, today's episode will focus on Hurricane Harvey. As you know, uh, we had this Category 3 hurricane that made landfall in Texas, and uh, the national focus has been right there to the people in Texas and all the efforts that are underway to assist those um, that are in harm's way, including our very own California Task Force 5. So we have uh, Fire Captain Jeff Hughes interviewed uh, Battalion Chief Shane Sherwood, um, who is out in Texas as part of the deployment. And here's a little bit of that interview now for you. You know, this is very similar to Katrina. However, uh, based on the, those that went to Katrina responded there, this is a significantly uh, much worse uh, in terms of the flooding and the amount of impact that the Hurricane Harvey has had on a community. All right, all that's uh, coming up soon, but in the meantime, let's get to some current news and noteworthy topics. On Thursday, August 24th, the OCFA Board of Directors held a special board meeting to discuss Fire Chief Jeff Bowman's recent resignation. And in his absence, Assistant Chief Dave Anderson was appointed as the Acting Fire Chief and is doing an outstanding job. Uh, the board took no reportable action since the Chief's resignation was not subject to a formal acceptance. And so for the go forward, the board has a special session now uh, scheduled for this coming Thursday night uh, at the 31st at 5.30 p.m. to discuss options for a possible interim fire chief selection as well as a national recruitment. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll update you um, this Friday with the subsequent uh, information that came out uh, of the board meeting on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. Some exciting news that's coming up. Approximately 50 new recruits started Academy 45 or will start Academy 45 on Tuesday, September 5th. And this will be in a traditional 16-week academy led by Academy Coordinator Fire Captain Joe Enterline and his team of instructors. Uh, the graduation is scheduled for Wednesday, December 20th. So make sure to mark that on your calendars and, and good luck to everybody in the academy. And I, I just wanna take just a quick sideline there and say thank you to all the folks within the agency who've really uh, gone, gone above and beyond to assist uh, the training section with putting on the largest fire academy that we've ever done at the OCFA. And so the impacts are to human resources, um, to our property management, even to multimedia and different parts of the training section and purchasing. Uh, there's no part of the agency uh, that was not affected by this. And so I just want to say thank you. Um, Great organizations are nimble. They're responsive to changes. And while our academy program is pretty tried and true, these guys uh, put on an amazing academy, it's still, this one went above and beyond because of the large numbers. Logistics impacts are significant. So um, instead of going on and on about them, just say thank you uh, to all who were a part of that. And uh, please, when you get a chance to thank them as well. All right, last but not least, 9-11, uh, uh, Patriot Day is coming up. We'll be sending out a memo soon uh, about the details uh, with the proper procedure for on-duty crews uh, for the morning of, as usual, and then also for the folks at headquarters here. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We're, we're looking to do uh, a little bit of modification to our traditional program here at headquarters, and I think you'll find that uh, meaningful. As, as you recall, uh, nearly 3,000 Americans lost their life, and, and we've now termed it Patriot Day, and in the fire service, we, we're always... Uh, 
cognizant of the 343 uh, New York City firefighters who lost their lives that day, as uh, many have a helmet sticker that indicates uh, that they'll never forget. And so uh, we're going to do our best um, to honor them on 9-11. Now for Captain Jeff Hughes' interview with Battalion Chief Shane Sherwood. The interview was recorded at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Tuesday, August 29th. So this information is extremely timely and current. And so I think you'll um, find that uh, pretty, uh, pretty interesting in that our multimedia folk were able to contact him out in Texas and uh, really try to get you the latest and greatest information literally from the front lines um, from Hurricane Harvey. So here's Jeff. All right, Jeff Hughes here, uh, Captain in Operations Training and Safety. Uh, I'm lucky enough to speak to Battalion Chief uh, Shane Sherwood today, who's a representative for California Task Force 5, who was deployed uh, to the Houston area for Hurricane Harvey. Uh, thanks for joining us today, uh, Shane, to, to keep us updated on how your uh, situation is back there. Well, thanks for having me. I think it's ironic, Jeff, that we're actually uh, having this conversation. Uh, today is the anniversary, 12 years ago, of Katrina. Uh, you know, this is very similar to Katrina. However, uh, based on the, those that went to Katrina responded there, this is uh, significantly uh, much worse uh, in terms of the flooding and the amount of impact that the Hurricane Harvey has had on a community. Um, you know, for, for us coming from California, I've never seen this much rainfall, uh, nor could I have ever imagined this much flooding can happen so quickly. Uh, what we saw the first days that we arrived uh, Sunday morning uh, here in Houston, in fact, we, uh, we, we arrived, we, you know, it was about a 29-hour drive from headquarters. We arrived early Saturday morning, and uh, we, we went to San Antonio. We had the, um, the AT&T Center there uh, with the, all the other task forces. And uh, we didn't think we would get work right away. It was raining. Uh, they had, it sounded like maybe we were going to get held until probably Monday before we actually got to go work. Uh, but we were woken up uh, Sunday morning at 3.30 in the morning and said, hey, yeah, we got an assignment. You guys need to head down to Houston. So we got the task force together. Uh, we, we briefed everybody as what the plan was, packed all of our, uh, all the vehicles up. And now we're driving, and because we came as a Type 3 task force, there's, uh, there's 45 of us. But we have 50, actually 16 vehicles with five semi-trucks because we brought the whole Type 1 cash. So, uh, you know, imagine a strike team on steroids. This is a, a, a big convoy, uh, you know, double the people that we normally take, but triple the vehicles. And then they're not just, you know, as big as fire engines are, now, now put a semi-tractor trailer on that. So, you know, just the ride out, uh, it was approximately about 1,400 miles. And like I said, it took us 29 hours to get here. So Sunday morning, we get woken up uh, early in the morning, 3 o'clock. They say, hey, we got, we got work for you guys down in Houston. Uh, we load everything up. We get on the road. It's, it's pouring rain. And, I mean, it's just torrential downpour at one point uh, driving across Highway 10. Uh, you could barely see the road. Uh, we finally make it. Uh, well, actually, they wanted us to go to the Reliance Centers, which is where the Houston Texans play. Uh, however, it was so flooded out on the highway to get there, uh, we figured we couldn't make it there. We found another rendezvous spot at a uh, high school football stadium. We arrived there. We, uh, we broke the task force up into uh, the rescue groups. We sent 22 uh, members down, down range with four boats uh, and six vehicles. And uh, they, they tried to make their way to what the destination was uh, initially given. Uh, however, due to the flooding on Highway 610, uh, they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't go any further. 
and uh, they began to see people on top of the roofs of cars, on the tops, uh, on the roofs of their homes. And so uh, they engaged in rescues right there on the spot. Uh, they worked with Houston Fire Department, and um, they worked from the moment they arrived on scene to late in the evening that night. They had a, a helicopter that was, uh, you know, assisting with taking folks off of uh, the homes. They were they were pulling right into the front porches of uh, of houses and carrying folks to the boats that couldn't walk. They uh, they had uh, people standing on the house on top of their houses with uh, SOS signs. So it was just a, a chaotic situation that they came into, um, and they continued that all through the night. Unfortunately, there was so much rain and so much flooding, we couldn't get to them to provide any other assistance, and they could not get back to us, and we became separated. And up until this day, actually until this point right now, we're still separated. Uh, we've been in phone communications with them. Um, they've probably affected close to 600 rescues uh, over the last three days. Uh, whether directly or indirectly. Uh, currently today, they're in southeast, uh, or sorry, in northeast uh, Houston, up by Lake Houston. Uh, they were woken up very early this morning uh, as well and began to engage in rescues. They, uh, at one point, were experiencing uh, floodwaters uh, that were, were um, growing by a foot every half hour. Uh, so it was a very chaotic situation. They had multiple boats. They had another task force working with them. Uh, they were flying trauma patients out with Blackhawks. Uh, so that was their situation that they've encountered. Uh, we, uh, when we, when we had to um, back away from where we were due to the flooding, we came to the community of Katy. Uh, the original place we took shelter uh, began to flood itself. So we, we tried to get higher ground. Unfortunately, we couldn't make it up the higher ground to, due to the amount of water coming down the roadway. So we were able to make it into where we, where we currently are. Uh, is Katy High School, and when we arrived here on late Sunday night, there was just a small group of National Guard here and uh, a few law enforcement folks from Dallas uh, that took shelter here as well. And as we arrived, uh, the community uh, was experiencing heavy, heavy rainfall at the time, and we had folks walking in that were trapped in their homes. They had uh, up to four feet. People were standing on their beds, uh, and that night we, uh, we assisted 120 folks uh, with getting to a shelter. And most of it, um, uh, they would walk in. We had some community folks that had boats. They would go out and get the, get the residents that were trapped, bring them to our place. We would uh, coordinate with the National Guard, which would then take them out to the highway, which would be get them on a bus and take them out to a shelter. Uh, one significant rescue that we were a part of uh, that night in Katy is uh, a gentleman jumped in the water after a dog he quickly was swept underneath the highway with the, the swift water, and um, the friends and family looked for him for 30 minutes. They could not find him. Uh, we, were, we were then alerted that, um, that he was missing, and about 30 minutes later, we got a report that uh, somebody was in a tree downriver uh, about 200 yards. So we went out and assessed the situation. Uh, sure enough, someone was downstream in, uh, in a tree, and so we had uh, Ohio Task Force come out and... Uh, in their two boats, and they uh, affected a rescue and brought them back to safety. Uh, that led into 11 other rescues that night, and then an additional eight rescues when the National Guard had, uh, had folks inside the back of their uh, high-profile vehicles, and even they got stuck uh, up to their tires because uh, they had driven over uh, unknowingly a, a lawn, and they sank in.
So that's what we've been encountering. Like I said, today uh, we have sunny skies. The rain has subsided. Um, but they're expecting potentially eight more inches here in Katy and 10 more inches of rain in, uh, in Houston. That's amazing. Uh, I, I can't believe the amount of rain that you guys are getting back there. Nobody uh, has seen that sort of rain, certainly from this area of the country. So uh, uh, what was the drive out there uh, when you guys headed out? Was there a report of a, a tornado that you guys had to deal with? We, uh, we, we, we didn't have, well, let's just say this. We, uh, like I said, we encountered significant rainfall when we left San Antonio to come to Houston. And for the first two days we were here uh, in Houston, uh, we probably every couple of hours there would be a tornado warning that we'd receive. And so we were constantly uh, on alert to where we would go inside of each building. And we, uh, we would use the structure, structure specialist. Uh, we had Bruce Newell with us on this deployment, and he would evaluate the buildings, and we would determine uh, if a tornado does actually uh, uh, come, down, come, in, come into our area that we – you know, where would we take shelter? Uh, many of the buildings are old, and, uh, you know, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to uh, take refuge inside the buildings. Luckily, none of them materialized uh, in our immediate area. Uh, so we just experienced, uh, like I said, heavy, heavy rainfall and uh, what I'll call catastrophic flooding. Amazing. Uh, so tell us where you're at right now. Obviously, uh, you discussed your location, uh, and it's, approximately 60 miles difference than uh, where the rest of the team is. Uh, what's the situation like where you're at right now? So we're currently in Katy High School. Uh, we, uh, we have the National Guard that has also um, taken up shelter here, and we also have Oakland California Task Force, Task Force 4 um, that is with us as well. Uh, we're just uh, sleeping in the school gymnasium. Um, it's actually been a really good facility. The community of Katy has been uh, really generous and opened up their doors to us. Um, today, we're just starting to see some community um, start come in. They, they've brought food, and they're showing their appreciation for us being here and uh, uh, for the gratitude of, of, of just us coming out and responding and assisting the community. Um, like I said, today, there is some sunshine that we can see. It is currently stopped raining, um, but we are by no means uh, out of the thick of it. Uh, when you look at the storm and where it's next to go, it's currently in the Gulf. It's supposed to make landfall again by tomorrow morning, uh, 7 a.m. Central Time, and then continue in a northeastern flow uh, going directly through Louisiana and parts of uh, Mississippi or parts of Missouri. Uh, so with that, some bands of rain are going to impact the east side of Houston again. So that area of Houston is going to be impacted again for a few more days. And then um, also they're expecting uh, by August 31st uh, all of the reservoirs to be at complete capacity. So we will uh, we'll be continue to see uh, flooding throughout the area, uh, whether it's static or dynamic. It will remain, I believe, for several weeks uh, until it totally subsides. Um, you know, some of this stuff that we're hearing is that this is the uh, much larger than Katrina. Uh, Katrina was a $180 billion storm. Uh, and, you know, they're talking this to be uh, the, the, the largest storm ever to hit the U.S. You know, Chief, the rainfalls. It, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, you brought up uh, Katrina, and I know that was 12 years ago today, and not a lot of folks that are on uh, the deployment this year were there 12 years ago. 
Um, have you been affecting nearly the same amount of rescues? Are the, the same type of rescues? Are the conditions better, worse? Or how can you compare uh, this year with 12 years ago? So I was not on a deployment to Katrina, but talking to those that were, um, there's some significant differences. I think the rescues are very similar. Uh, they're, they're all water-related. Uh, but the biggest differences are with uh, the USAR program itself. Um, Katrina, we didn't have our own boats. That wasn't part of the cash at the time. And so in Katrina, we had to wait six days before we could ever affect any rescues. Uh, here at Hurricane Harvey, we were able to go directly in and go directly, go direct, you know, directly to work and begin to affect rescues. Uh, currently, uh, what we brought out, we brought two John boats, which are flat-bottom boats, uh, typically used in static water. And then we brought uh, two Zodiacs, or what we call IRB, uh, IRB boats, uh, which is basically just a rubber boat. So we brought a total of four boats. So that allowed us the opportunity to really go and serve the communities that were in need uh, immediately. Uh, versus Katrina, we had to wait six days. Uh, additionally, when Katrina happened, uh, we, the task force got put up into Dallas for six days, and they just were held out. Uh, and initially, uh, when we got to San Antonio, that seemed to be what the plan was going to be, is that we were going to wait, uh, kind of wait out the storm until the, the kind of the eye or the major part uh, dissipated. Uh, but however, like I said, we got woken up early Sunday morning and, and sent to work. So those are some of the big differences just from the response side of it. Uh, a couple other things that, that are different is, um, you know, it, during Katrina 12 years ago, technology was brand new. Uh, today, we have immediate uh, information at our, at our hand, at our fingertips. Uh, you know, to, just to plan the route uh, to get to a truck stop, we had to use a book. So if the book information hadn't been updated or wasn't a current one, um, you were out of luck. I was able to use my phone. It, it, it GPSed me all along the way, showed me where all the truck stops were. I was able to call ahead, make sure they had fuel, make sure they were open. We were able to order uh, meals and have, have those ready upon, you know, when, we, when we arrived at the location so we could feed the task force. So our reflex time to, to stop, uh, you know, let everyone use the restroom, fuel up, and feed them was, was reduced. So it reduced our, our response time to get out here. Um, but just the ability to be able to pick up a cell phone and, and call back to the incident support team to get information, to pass along information, to look at maps, uh, was just outstanding, which we didn't have in Katrina. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it, it's crazy to think that was only 12 years ago, and to say that, you know, it was archaic. Um, so from the technology standpoint, huge difference. I'm able to look at accurate time, you know, uh, a real time um, rainfall totals. I'm able to look at flood maps, and we're able to make decisions based on, you know, the, the information that we have immediately versus you know, getting out there and, and having to assess it and then determine, okay, what do I need now? Um, and, then, and then the other piece, you know, goes with uh, along the, the line of the rescue boats. Um, when, when FEMA provided the rescue boats uh, to the cash, they also provided training. You know, Orange County Fire Authority having the, the, the technical rescue trucks and utilizing the, the tech, um, all the tech truck members at, as the rescuers on the task force They've already had the swift water training. So when, when FEMA offered that, uh, the boats up and provided all the training, we were able to cross-train uh, a lot of our other folks because all of our rescuers already had that training. So we were able to take uh, 
some of our, our canine handlers have already had, you know, we've been able to put them through rescue training. In fact, I was just part of a, a boat operator class uh, down in Blythe with uh, California Task Force 6 uh, back in May. And so uh, they, that's just another way that we've been able to enhance our capabilities. So not only are, are all of our rescuers uh, on the task force trained to swift water, now we have other members that hold other positions, uh, you know, being, that they're able to attend and, and become uh, swift water trained. So uh, like currently right now, actually, the search folks that I'm with here in Katy, we sent them out to assist uh, Virginia Task Force 2, and they're currently – uh, searching on boats with Virginia Task Force in a three-story apartment building that's underwater. And that's just 10 miles from where we are right now. If we didn't have that training, uh, we wouldn't be able to send those folks out there and to be able to help uh, Virginia Task Force, uh, too, with that, with that mission. You know, when you're talking about training, how did this uh, actual deployment compare to previous MOBEX drills that we've actually done in the past? The, you know, um, it's funny, in certain aspects, it was spot on, like the point of assembly and practicing, you know, us, uh, us assembling at headquarters, you know, utilizing uh, all the AFTOs and, and having a system uh, that's organized uh, and that's effective uh, was outstanding. And, you know, we go through those, those, uh, uh, through those exercises in order to uh, cut down the inefficiencies and to make them effective. And so from that standpoint, uh, we did outstanding, uh, you know, to uh, planning the route and to getting to our destination and all the things that lead up to uh, the actual engagement uh, were outstanding. And the, and the training and the drills and the MOBEX uh, exercises are, um, you know, are spot on and they make it extremely, um, uh, they prepared us for, for these events. Now, one thing that is, is impossible, I think, to recreate is, uh, you know, we've been here since Sunday morning, uh, but I feel that we've been in what I'll call initial tack ever since then. It's, it's been continuous, uh, hey, here's your new problem. Hey, here's, you got four people over here that are trapped. Hey, there's an apartment building that hasn't even been searched. So we're continuing to find new things, even three, uh, almost four days into this event uh, since we've been here. So the, I don't know if we can, <clears throat> I don't know if we can ever realistically create that uh, that aspect in the training. Um, so everything, uh, like I said, leading up to uh, actually getting uh, on scene and beginning to go to work, uh, I don't think any of the drills could ever prepare you for uh, the real thing because it's so dynamic um, and you you have to be uh, so flexible and um, just prepared for, for what gets thrown at you in order to adapt and to react that um, I don't know if we could make a drill because, like I said, this has been going on for four days. And uh, to be able to run a drill for 96 hours <clears throat> isn't necessarily uh, uh, realistic for, uh, you know, for trying to train the task force. Yeah. Have you been working uh, 12 hours or 24-hour shifts? And is the same apply for the folks that are uh, not connected with Katie, but the folks that are in uh, northeastern Houston? Um, so we have been technically we're working 12 hours. However, uh, several of the nights uh, we've gone well beyond the 12 hours just due to uh, the fact that we still had uh, work in front of us and we didn't have any relief uh, in order to uh, say, hey, we're going to pass this on to you. So um, 
right now, I would say the, the boat guys, the, the, the half that's over on the northeast side of Houston, they've probably been working close to 14, 15-hour days. Um, for us here, uh, the first night that we arrived in Katy, uh, it was about till, we were up until about 3.30, um, still handling uh, community members that were coming into uh, the high school uh, because they were being, um, uh, you know, uh, the, all their homes are being flooded out. So uh, last night was uh, was much better. We had, we were able to, um, the National Guard came in and relieved us from taking or from addressing any of the community members that came in. So uh, like I said, last night we got quite a bit, of, uh, much more sleep than we have been getting. Uh, but the plan is to work 12 hours because we are a type three uh, team and we just don't have the, the number of personnel to uh, have continuous operations. However, we've been, we've been um, working with other task force, uh, you, you know, in the area. We've been uh, worked closely with Utah. We work closely with o uh, Ohio and uh, also now with uh, Oakland. So, you know, what, something I'd like to point out, too, that we, uh, we were able to get here. We were one of the six task force that were initially employed to come to Harvey, and uh, we uh, – we made great time and were able to get here quickly. In fact, we arrived uh, approximately uh, an hour and a half before Utah or Ohio. And so that's credit to our point of assembly and to those drills that we do uh, on a regular basis, you know, and to our AFTOs that, that uh, help us out with that process. Um, so I just think that's something that, uh, you know, it shows what type of program that we run and, uh, and uh, I think it's credit to the USA folks, um, you know, especially the guys at 54s that uh, do that on a regular basis and the FTOs and, uh, uh, and credit to, like I said, to those drills and exercises that prepare us to, uh, to get out the door. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had mentioned what the mood was like for the community members uh, there in Katy. Uh, is it similar for uh, the other folks that are operating out of uh, northeastern uh, Houston? Uh, I, we had heard uh, some. Absolutely. We had heard some. Uh, there was possible uh, responses to looters. Has there been looting or anything uh, out of the ordinary, or has it just been uh, as routine as you could imagine uh, for doing uh, the Swiftwater rescues continually for 15, 16 hours a day? It's amazing. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I, I can speak for us that we haven't experienced. Um, Anything on the negative side, everything has been 100% positive. Um, the Katy community has been very, very grateful uh, for our presence and our assistance. Um, one of the things uh, I told you about the, the Swiftwater Rescue with the gentleman that jumped in after his dog, um, one thing that uh, how we got alerted that he, he was in a tree is that he, uh, he was firing his gun. And he was just trying to get people's attention, and sure enough, he did. Um, but I quickly remembered once we got him out of the water that we're in the state of Texas because he still had a sidearm on him, but he ran out of bullets. But uh, that's the only thing that we've, we've uh, encountered with, uh, you know, a weapon or any type of firing of a, of, of a gun or gunshots. Um, we, I've not heard any stories um, as far as looting goes. Uh, talking to uh, Chief Hoey, who's the TFL for the task force and with the rescuers, uh, Utah task force that they were with, uh, they encountered something on the first night. Um, they were finishing up a, one of the last rescues, and uh, evidently there was some type of shooting uh, that happened right before they arrived to the, to the residence. Um, 
So they uh, they backed out, and it sounds like they got law enforcement involved, but I never heard what the outcome was uh, of that situation. So, um, no, I think most of the most of the people that we've been encountering here in Katy have been extremely grateful and, uh, like I said, very uh, uh, happy to see us, and uh, we're happy to uh, you know to uh, have a collaborative effort with uh, the community members, uh, which has been outstanding. They bring they've brought several of their own personal boats in high-profile vehicles, and we've been able to work in, in conjunction with them and to assist the, the community of Katy. So all in all, how, how's the team doing on, on both sides of the spectrum there from uh, one side of Houston to the other? How's everybody holding up? Uh, everybody seems to be in good spirits. Um, like I said, we, uh, uh, we've had a few moments of, uh, you know, uh, kind of chasing our tail because of the, the flooding and, you know, Hey, we need to go to this place. This is where we're going to take shelter. We arrive. We unpack all of our stuff, and all of a sudden, now we got you know water coming in the front door of the building we're going to stay in. We got to pack all this stuff up. The parking lot was uh, close to three feet deep in water. Uh, we we uh, and then we were headed to another place. We couldn't make it up the hill there, and we were trying to move four task forces up to a higher ground, and we couldn't make it up the hill. Um, so that's kind of been the challenge, you know, if you can imagine, you know, take a strike team and everybody drives down the same road and we say, hey, this isn't the right road. Everybody's got to turn around, you know, magnify that with the semi-trucks, magnifying that with the flooding going on. Um, so even with all of those types of challenges, everybody's in great spirits. Uh, we're glad to be engaged and be able to, uh, to help out the communities. Uh, like I said, uh, it's really a collaborative effort between the community members, the other uh, FEMA task forces that we're working with, and, uh, and the National Guard. Um, so currently, everybody's in, in, uh, in high spirits. Uh, the folks on the northeast side of, uh, of Houston that are engaging in all the swift water rescues over there. Um, talking to, to Chief Oley over there, they're, they're running on adrenaline, but everybody's in good spirits. And, uh, and like I said, they're, they're close to up to uh, 600 rescues over there that they've either been directly or indirectly involved with. Man, that's amazing. That's a heck of a lot of rescues. Uh, do you have any idea how long you guys are going to be deployed? Uh, that's a great question. I know um, uh, I would say at least 14, 14 days, if not beyond that. Uh, it really, I think, is going to depend on this next uh, band of weather that uh, comes up from the Gulf with the, the last part of the storm and how much effect it has on the east side of, uh, of Houston. And then, uh, you know, what does it do when it hits uh, Louisiana or uh, Missouri? You know, does it, uh, does it drop a significant amount of rainfall there as well? And we have the same, same type of situations that we have here in Houston uh, in two, st two states to our, uh, to our east. So at least the two weeks is what I think. Uh, we, you know, even once the rain subsides, we still have a lot of static uh, flooding that's going to be going on. And, and I don't think we've really got our arms around quite uh, what the impact uh, of, of Hurricane Harvey is to, uh, to the state of Texas. Um, like I said, we're still kind of in that initial attack phase, trying to figure out what exactly uh, we have and where we're going to prioritize uh, all the resources. Um, so that's kind of where it's at now. I, I would say at least two weeks. Uh, I would not be surprised if we were here for a total 21 days or beyond that, uh, just based on what I'm seeing here. In, uh, in one part of Katy. Uh, I think I told you the rainfall is 41 inches in Houston. We've received 31 inches here in Katy, and there's still a chance for, for at least 10 inches in Houston, uh, which is just absolutely unbelievable. 
uh, unbelievable is right when uh, when they're measuring the amount of rain in feet. That's an incredible sight uh, that nobody has seen. Or very few, I, sh I should say. Um, so, do you have any message for families or uh, coworkers back here in the OCFA? Um, yeah, I think we should let the families know and all the coworkers that uh, you know everybody here is doing well. Uh, we have no needs. Uh, all of our needs, our needs are being met. Uh, everybody's in good spirits. Uh, we do miss our families and our loved ones, but uh, we uh, we are happy to be out here and to be able to have this opportunity to to serve uh, you know the state of Texas and the communities. Uh, that uh, that surrounds Houston, so um, we're all doing well. I know uh, I know that the guys we joke. Uh, we hope this is all worth. Uh, uh, or everybody gets their forces out of the way for this uh, for this uh, deployment. <laughs> That's been the big joke around the around the table at night. But no, everybody's in great spirits. Um, we're like I said, we're we're happy to engage and to be able to uh, to do the work, um, and we're doing well. We look forward to. Uh, you know, finishing our, our job here, but uh, also coming home and seeing everybody back there. Yeah, that's going to be uh, not only having to deal with a long, uh, engaging deployment, having to drive back from that already weary and tired, man. The amount of work you guys are putting uh, in is amazing. In addition to... Yeah, uh, sorry, actually... Pardon me? Sorry, Jeff. Actually, that's a great point. You know, one thing different with, uh, additionally, that's you know, different to Katrina. Uh, Katrina, we were able to fly the folks home uh, because we had the, we had a Type One um, team, and we were able to send most of the folks home by airplane. However, this is going to be uh, significantly different because the whole team is going to have to drive home. Um, we have uh, 16 vehicles, and uh, you know, we we have a, uh, close to now probably 1,500 miles to drive home for where we currently are. So that's going to take several days to, to get everybody home. It's amazing. The, uh, the damage that's going to be uh, calculated at the end of this thing is going to be pretty darn significant. I know that you had mentioned uh, Katrina and what a large loss that was, uh, with Houston being the fourth largest uh, city in the country and the amount of devastation that you're describing, it's got to be pretty significant. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine uh, what, you know, what it's going to look like when the water uh, subsides and uh, to start really estimating uh, exactly how much damage there is, uh, it, it is going to be actually, you know, mind-boggling about, you know, how, how large uh, this event actually is and, and how costly it's going to be. That's great. Is there, uh, is there anything we missed? Is there anything else that you want to uh, deliver to the folks uh, before we sign off here? No, I think, uh, I think we covered all of it. I think, um, you know, uh, for our first deployment with uh, the California Task Force 5, uh, this is definitely a significant event that uh, I will never forget, I know. And I know, uh, you know, with uh, those, uh, the team members that are here that, uh, this is one of those bonds that we'll have uh, for, the, for the rest of our career. Most definitely. It's definitely uh, an event of epic proportions. And uh, from back home, when uh, it feels warm here and humid, but obviously you guys uh, <laughs> on the other end of the country or the other side of the country doing so much work and adverse conditions, we sure appreciate the work that you guys are doing. You guys continue to stay safe, and hopefully you can uh, have the whole team back together sometime soon. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when you get home. 
Thanks, Jeff. Uh, it was great talking to you. We look forward to seeing you when we get home. Very good. This concludes uh, our podcast, and we'll uh, get back to work. Yeah, you got it. We will. Take care, <laughs> Jeff. Bye-bye. All right, Shane. All right, thanks to Jeff and Shane for that interview. Um, pretty, pretty amazing. Again, uh, our, uh, keep them in your thoughts and prayers as they are a downrange for our agency and for our country. And uh, we couldn't be more proud of them. So be sure to listen to this Friday's episode where we'll give you an update from the Board of Directors meeting. And until then, let's continue to watch out for each other and we'll talk to you soon.